0: Here is Pastor Micaiah.
1: Welcome to the start of our new series entitled At the Movies. It's going to be a great day as we kick off this new series. I'm really pumped about what God is going to do through this series. Glad that you are here on the start of it. Next week is kind of like our official launch, but today we just kind of started. We just kind of kicked things off. And so we're really glad that you're here to be a part of it. Uh, next week, we want to invite you to come back. We had a lot of cool things planned for next week. Next uh, week. Next week, we're going to kick off, and our movie will be Toy Story 4. I don't know how Pixar does it, but they just know how to, like, grab our hearts and just squeeze them, okay? Even if you feel like I'm emotionally dead, like, this will this will make something come alive inside of you whenever you watch it. I thought Toy Story 3, it couldn't get any better, and then you go see Toy Story 4, and it just, like, Pixar how do you do it it's just amazing so next week we're going to take a look at that movie and uh, to kind of coincide with that we also have some Disney characters we've got Woody and Jesse will be showing up and uh, yeah it's pretty cool right yeah that they're gonna show up so it'll be a great uh, picture opportunity for the kids we got jump houses we're gonna do a popcorn bar and then we also have Princess Belle showing up as well uh, I think she was a uh, like a a BOGO, you know, you just like, well, we have Bell lying around, you know, so you want to use Bell? We're like, sure, yep, send Bell, it'll be great. So it's going to be a great time next week. I love this series in the middle of summer because what with everybody on vacation, with everybody traveling, it makes for a great series where you can still invite people to church and they don't feel like, well, you're in the middle of a series, you're at the end of a series, like now it's every week is kind of a standalone, and we're going to be looking at some great movies. I can't wait to share some with you. Of course, Of course, Toy Story. We're going to be looking at Marvel's Endgame. And uh, any Fast and Furious fans in the house? You're, You're a fan of Fast and Furious. Come on. They've been around for 18 years. Did you know that? 18 years when the first Fast and Furious came out. I mean, it's just awesome, just great. And some of you are like, no, it's not the same. This Hobbs and Shaw, that is not the real Fast and Furious. Get over it. It's going to be fun. I'm going to waste my money. And go watch it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to be looking at that. And we've got just a bunch of others. We want you to be a part of it. But the best part about this series is it's a great way to invite people to church, uh, Each one of us have a sphere of influence. We have people that we know that we want their lives to be impacted in a positive manner. And sometimes it's hard to talk to them about things of, the Lord, or things that are spiritual in nature. So what this does, it makes it really easy for you to invite them to church where we can start that conversation. And the conversation will start here, but then if they're your coworker, you can continue the conversation. Or if there's somebody that you hang out with in your neighborhood or, 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 or somebody in your sphere of influence, all of a sudden you can say, hey, what do you think about that message? Like, how did it resonate with you? What did you think, you know? And then you could start that conversation because we... Believe that we exist to lead people to find Jesus and then to follow him. And so this series helps us do that. Now, here's what's crazy. Our church does social media marketing. We do email marketing. We do snail mail marketing. I mean, we put banners and ads. We do fun events to invite people. But, you know, the number one best way for people to attend our church is still word of mouth. It's word of mouth. It's you inviting somebody else. So here's what's cool. Over the next five weeks, every time you invite somebody they get a free movie ticket, and you also get a movie ticket, so you can go with them to the movies. Now, you can't just keep bringing the same person and having them fill out a little connection card, you know, and uh, if you're lying, God will judge you, you know, and uh, something like that, but uh, uh, you can just keep on biting and bringing friends, because we believe that they're going to encounter something really special in this community, and so we want you to be a part of it, so it's a great way to invite people, and it's just, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. The series will be relevant to them, so I think they'll enjoy it. Well, since we're kicking things off, we're actually going to look at a really unique video series today, actually. We're going to cheat Normally, we do an actual movie, but today, we're going to go Netflix, all right? Any Netflix fans? Like, I gave up on TV, and so I'm strictly Netflix now, all right? And uh, uh, I'm spoiled. I haven't paid for Netflix in a really, really long time. Thank you, Eugene, and uh, for hooking me up, former Netflix employee. And uh, so uh, you just got to know the right people. That's all I'm saying. It's all about who you know, okay? All right? So I think he's going to get bombarded after the service. I probably shouldn't have divulged my secret source, because now it's going to be like a mad rush. So, Eugene, if you need to leave church early today, you have a pass. We understand, you know. And, uh, but it's just great. I, I really enjoy Netflix. Now, uh, my wife Jane has the same movie taste as my mom, which is the worst kind of movies, like boring movies. Like, like, like you just want to stab yourself in the eye with the number two pencil kind of movies. And uh, my mom's favorite movie is Driving Miss Daisy. Anybody ever even heard of the movie? Oh, there are some people that have heard of it. Yeah, wow, I'm so sorry. Did you actually watch it? Like, I'm just curious. You did? Did you like it? What is wrong with you people? What church am I a part of? You know, it's the worst movie. And then my mom's other favorite movie is Fiddler on the Roof does it get any worse? Oh, there's Fiddler in the Roof fans in this place. Oh my goodness. You all need Jesus. We really need to get you Jesus. All right. Those are the worst movies ever. All right. And uh, so my wife, I'll drag her to go and watch like uh, a Star Wars series and she's never seen any of them. So it's like the worst person to take because the entire time you're trying to watch the movie, she's like, what's happening? Who's the green guy? Who's Luke Skywalker? And I was like, who did I marry? I I don't know this woman. Did somebody abduct my wife? Like this is crazy. I took her to go see the Lord of the Rings and she was the most lost. She was like, this could never happen. And I was like, well, of course it could never happen. It's (laughs) fictional. It's fantasy. This is just all your imagination. It's just fun. She's like, I'm not having fun. I'm wasting time. I could be folding laundry. She literally says these things. I could be cleaning or organizing. I was like, what in the world is wrong with you, you know? And uh, so my wife's favorite genre of movies is what they call the docudrama series. Anybody a big fan of like this actually happened type movies? Like, yeah. Um, I was with a friend of mine when Pearl Harbor first came out. And uh, she's a little bit blonde. And uh, she was like, man, that's just terrible. I'm so glad that didn't happen. Oh <laughs> you know, it's was like, uh, <laughs> wow, public school system way to go, you know, and uh, uh, so so I was like, well, actually, it did happen, she's like, no way, that happened to that character, I was like, well, that character wasn't there, you know, Ben Affleck didn't really disappear, and she's like, oh, good, as long as that didn't, <laughs> wow, wow, the people I have in my life, you know, pray for me, you know, and uh, so, but my wife loves docudramas, okay, she's just really into things that actually happened, and so she watched this series, and I don't know, how many saw the Netflix miniseries When They See Us? Did you watch it? Oh, some of you are like, it's on my series. You need to go watch it. I haven't watched it, but it's, you need to go watch it, okay? But what I did is I get the synopsis because it's all my wife could talk about for weeks, okay? She watched the series, and she was just enthralled by it, okay? Now, uh, my wife Jane is really cute because I'll pass out and I'll go to sleep, and she'll be on her iPhone, You know, you just see this bright light, you know, just going. She's just watching. She's got her AirPods in and everything. She's watching the series. And she was telling me, she was like, you have to watch this. And uh, she told me all about it. And then I uh, I was thinking and praying how to launch the series. I was like, man, that actually might be a great way to launch it. Now, here's the thing. It's an intense series. Some of you haven't watched it because you're like me. You're like, I don't need more drama in my life. I don't need more anxiety, or I don't need to. How many of you, you just like to resolve tension? You don't like any tension in your life. You're like, just resolve it. So you can fast forward the intense parts if you want, okay? You can watch the beginning, middle, and end, and be done in like 10, 15 minutes to get the whole point. Or you just go on Reddit, and it'll explain everything to you. Or you came to church today, and now you don't have to see it, but you're going to get all the good parts of it. All right? So aren't you glad you came to church so we could finish you in about the latest Netflix specials, all right? That's great, yes. We should get sponsored by Netflix, okay? They should buy us a building is what I'm saying, okay? That's that's how they could help us, all right? But I want to show you a clip, and remember, it's a little bit intense, but I think this will really be a great launching point to what God has for us in his word. So let's go ahead and play this clip and the trailer from When They See Us.
0: Whatever they said I did, I didn't. so many the nothing these boys state matches the central facts of the crime all we need is for one to tie this whole thing together these tapes are not as clean as the state would have you believe there is injustice happening here there is not one shred of evidence imagine the frenzy of these teenagers ripping off her they car. Are innocent of these crimes they are guilty. they do us like this what other way they ever do us and i have these dreams Since i keep hearing these footsteps and they come closer and closer that's me coming to bring you home They said if I went along with it, that I could go home, and that's all I wanted. The police would do anything. Lie on us, they would lock us up, they would kill us. This is my life. I don't think we should admit to something that we didn't do. Okay, we keep fighting.
1: be based on the Central Park 5, an incident that happened in Central Park in the late 1980s, I believe 89 is when it all happened, and uh, there were four teenage boys that got caught up at the wrong place at the wrong time and accused of a crime they never actually committed, and many of them served jail time between six years to 16 years, and then it came out that they were all innocent, and then they were exonerated. And the story was amazing because as you watch the documentary, of course, they do put some of their embellishment into it. So you got to just know that they are telling a story. But the basic premise of the facts are still there. That there were some people that they were, yes, at the wrong place at the wrong time. But yet the facts were skewed to make it so these um, these five young men were sentenced to prison. The oldest one was 16. His name is Corey Weiss. And he was sentenced to Rikers. At 16, the others went to Juvenile Hall, but at Rikers, they would just talk about how he would get so beat up that he would go into solitary so nobody would beat him up. He was afraid for his life. So he spent years in solitary confinement. And when Ava decided to uh, do this movie, she didn't want to call it the Central Park Five because that's kind of what everybody was labeling them. Or they were labeled the Wolf Pack because of the crime that they allegedly committed. And during that time, 89% of the papers, as they were covering this media, this story... 89% of those papers that were in New York at the time did never mention that these are the alleged criminals. All the articles written were stated as if, no, we've caught the criminals. These are the people that did it. Even though DNA evidence didn't match, even though there was all kinds of a skewing of the facts, even though there was coercion, even though these boys were intimidated. Now, there is some dramatization in the movie, it shows that these boys, when they were inter- interrogated, got beat up. Uh, the actual detective released photos and things like that that said, no, they weren't physically harmed, though the movie portrays them getting beat up and harmed. He said, in real life, that didn't happen. But there still was this coercion where they were tempted, and they made a false confession because they were told, if you just admit to the crime, we're going to let you off because you're underage, you're minor, so you'll get off. But they all got prison time. But that wasn't the worst part of it. The worst part is the fact that after they got out of prison— Nobody could ever see them the same way. Now all those people saw is these are these vicious criminals. These are these horrible young people. And it was really easy for society to kind of start to put a label on these young men. And they saw them differently. They, didn't, they no longer saw them as human beings. And so when Ava decided to do the movie, she said, i got to change it. Because the title, Central Park Five, was dehumanizing. So I've got to do something so that we, we see these people in proper light. Which brings me to a great passage of scripture. If you have a copy of God's word, would you take it to Matthew chapter 25? Matthew chapter number 25. And I want to look at a parable that Jesus taught. And this is a a profound parable. I think it'll really impact and connect with this series in so many specific ways. So, Matthew chapter 25, once you found it, just holler, I'm there. Holler, I'm there if you found it. Matthew 25, holler, I'm there. Are you there? Did you find it on your iPhone? You're like, yes, my iPhone. Matthew 25. Let's look at a couple verses real quick. Let's let's go to verse number 34. All right. Here's what it says. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me drink, I was a stranger and you invited me into your home, I was naked and you gave me clothing, I was sick and you cared for me, I was in prison. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then will they reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. Here's the crazy thing about this passage. Many times we go about our life and we don't realize that we have a special opportunity to make a difference. We go along and we just kind of miss the people around us. And so... In these passages, Jesus is talking about an opportunity, and he's, and he's given this parable about how people have helped him, people have not helped them, And they're like, God, when did we ever do that? How, how did we do that? And Jesus is saying, hey, when you did it to the least of these. Now, I was listening to a pastor talk about the least of these, and so I started to study out that word, the least of these. Because maybe your mind and my mind, we we hear the word the least of these, maybe you're thinking widows. Widows are the least of these. Those have lost a husband. Maybe that's who he's talking about. Or maybe, you're talking, maybe you think of children in foster care. You're like those are the least. They don't have a mom or dad or, or a legal guardian that will take care of them. Maybe that's the least of these. Or maybe you're thinking the least of these is maybe people that don't have a house. Maybe those who don't have any financial means. Maybe those who are poor. Maybe those who live in a third world country and who are oppressed. And maybe they live under a dictator. Uh, maybe that's in your mind what you think of as the least of these. But the word the least of these, it's not necessarily talking about the least in society. It's actually meaning or it's a word that means figuratively the least. Figuratively the least. You know, I've noticed our society, we get to pick and choose who we put down. We figuratively have people that we like and some that we dislike. We have people that we are quick to judge and we're quick to label based on our preferences or based on what we think. And so often we'll look at somebody who's different than us, and then it's real easy to judge them. It's real easy to say, I don't like them. I don't like her. I don't like the way they dress. I didn't like their attitude. And so this passage is talking about, hey, you need to notice people. Because the biggest thing is that they didn't notice. You see, they didn't notice that they were helping, and they didn't notice that they were hurting. They just didn't notice. The biggest thing today, I think, with our our problems is the fact that we're just indifferent. There's so much indifference. Where we see a need, and we see somebody, and we see an opportunity, but we're just indifferent to it. Especially here in the Silicon Valley. Because we're so busy, aren't we? I mean, you're stuck in traffic for an hour and 45 minutes just trying to get somewhere. You're also working more than eight hours a day. You're stretched to the limit financially. You're emotionally tapped out because of everything you're going through. And so it's real easy to just kind of say, you know, what? I don't have time to think about anybody else. But Jesus is reminding us in this parable that he's saying, hey, you can make a difference in the smallest of ways. What I love about this passage is the fact that God takes notice of us that he takes note and Jesus notices he notices when when we do the smallest of deeds he said hey some of you it was just the fact that you gave a cup of water to somebody you just it was a hot day so you gave somebody a water bottle man you didn't realize that that you were doing that for god you say what do you mean i didn't think i was doing it for god because here's the reality you and i have the imprint of God. We are created in the image of God. That goes back to Genesis. In Genesis 128, God is talking to the Trinity. He said, let us make man after our image. We are the image bearers of God. So whether that person has a house or has a mansion, they bear the imprint of deity. Meaning, all humanity is worthy of dignity. But here's what's crazy in our world today. We... Pick and choose who we think is worthy of dignity. We're in a climate today that says, you're Republican, that's bad. You're Democrat, that's bad. You're Libertarian, that's bad or that's good. Oh, you're this skin color or that skin color, that's good or that's bad. Oh, you make this much, that's good or that's bad. Oh, you're famous, so you obviously are doing something wrong. You're wealthy, so you're doing something wrong. And we're labeling who we think is worthy instead of understanding that, wait a minute, Maybe that person is the least of these. What I love about our church is the fact that we're just authentic. You say, What do you mean authentic? Hey, if you're struggling with an addiction, come to church. We're okay. You say, Man, I just got to take a 15 minute smoke break. Then sit by the back and exit and have a smoke break and come back in. It's not that big a deal. We just want you to be a part of the community because we know we're broken. We know we have some dysfunction. We know that we're growing. All right, so here's the reality. We can be real quick to judge somebody, and we can look at something. And instead of seeing the opportunity to do something for God, because that's why we don't see it. We think, no, 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 they have to kind of be in my circle, somebody that I approve of. Then I'll do something nice. And we're missing an opportunity. And what happens is we stay at a distance from people. You see the second passage, they said, Jesus, we didn't know. We didn't know we were helping you. We didn't know we were hurting you. They just didn't know. They didn't take notice. They didn't take the time because why? They were staying at a distance. And it's real easy to judge somebody from a distance, isn't it? It's real easy to judge a mom and say, oh, there's a bad mom right there. Look at her kids. Her at the grocery store, none of them have shoes on. They're all dirty. They're all screaming. She's a terrible mom. Really? But we do that, don't we? Oh, we'll go over to somebody's house, and we'll walk in their house, and we'll say, man, not a very nice house. They must not make a whole lot of money. They must not really care. They must not have a good education. And we just start doing it. We're just really quick at profiling somebody. We're just really quick at labeling somebody. And what's amazing is all of a sudden we start bringing down their dignity, and we're guilty of it. And even as Jesus followers, we're supposed to love people. One of the tenets of the faith is to love your neighbor as yourself and can i tell you something i love myself a whole lot too much most of the time but then i have kids and i finally met somebody more selfish than me our kids are selfish man yours too don't just judge me okay kids are selfish they're all about themselves all the time all the time my wife got smart and she said the children's ministry we don't need to bring all these toys we're gonna bring one basket of toys why Because it's always one of y'all's kids that think all the toys are their toys. And so then they start hitting the other kids. So we just like, no, 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 we're not going to bring all the toys. Because they feel like they got to get them all down. Why? Because we're selfish. And God says, hey, you love yourself, but guess what? Love your neighbor like that. Hey, if you're going to help yourself, why not look somebody else? Now, here's the thing. You and I, we stay at a distance from certain people. And because we stay at a distance, all of a sudden now we can keep judging them. We can we can kind of keep our presuppositions because too often we get to know somebody and then we're like, whoa, I totally misread that situation. I totally misread that person. I totally misread how they were treating me. I didn't know that they were going through that. I didn't know that they were just having a bad day and that's why they lashed out. I didn't know the stress that they had. Because you know what distance does? Distance creates distortion. And when you have distance from somebody, you don't see them clearly. Some of us, we wear glasses or contacts because when we're far away from somebody, we can't see it. It's just blurry. And you and I, we can't see the needs and the hurts and the wants and the dreams and desires of others if we're at a distance. Now, here's the problem, though. We're a church, and you say, well, how does a church meet the needs of everybody? You can't. You can't. We can't. I wish we could. I really wish we could. But the church can't, but guess what? You can. You say, how do you, what do you mean? You see, each one of us can make a difference. You see, how? If we are going to make a difference, we have to combat indifference, though. We have to combat it in our lives. Every day, you have to say, hey, who am I indifferent to right now? Who do I disagree with right now? And what if I just stopped and said, hey, I may not disagree with that person as much as I think I do. Why don't I have the conversation with somebody who thinks differently than me, who behaves differently than me, who may act differently, who may love somebody differently, who may portray themselves in a different manner. All of a sudden, guess what? You may find that that is an amazing individual. You may be surprised that you can learn from that person. You may be surprised that that person may impact your life in an amazing way. But we're really quick to label somebody, to judge somebody. I don't know about you, but I am usually wrong when I judge people. Usually I'm way off. And I've started to realize this about myself. I've started to realize when I start thinking something about somebody, I've started going to my wife and say, hey, I'm thinking this. Am I way off? And she's usually like, yeah, you are way off. So I've just stopped. I'm just like I'm not a good judge of character. I love to be around people. I really like people. Uh, I'll be exhausted, but if I'm hanging around people, all of a sudden it just like fuels my tank. It's like a Red Bull. Just hanging around people, it's just energizing for me. So I like being around people. And so what happens because I like being around people, I think I'm really good with people, and I think I can read people. I'm lousy at reading people. I'm so off at reading people. I'll tell my wife, oh, I think that person's really mad at me. She's like, what are you talking about? Oh, did you see the way they looked at me? And she was like. They have gas. It's indigestion. What is your problem? Why are you so about yourself? I was like, I don't know. I'm just insecure. I, I don't know. You know, and it's just these stupid little things, but that's what we do. We're so, we're so shallow when it comes to how we view people. So we've got to arrest the indifference in our heart. You see, God wants you and I to step out and to make a difference. So let me ask you a question. Who in your life do you see as the least of these? Is it the homeless person? Is it the drug addict? Is it the politician? Is it the wealthy person? The famous person? The sports star? The person that has it all together. Who do you see as the least of these? And God is saying, that person that you see as the least of these, that's your ministry. You say, what do you mean ministry? Ministry. You say, how does the church reach everybody when everybody has a ministry? I don't understand the word ministry. You know what the word ministry means? If you want to write this down, take notes. It just means a holy calling. You say, what? Ah, I don't even understand what a holy calling is. Ministry is a tough word. Now, holy calling. Holy just means special. That's all it means, special. It's something special that you're called to. It just means there's a group of people that you are drawn to help. And each one of you, there's a group of people that when you see them at work, you see them on the side of the road or you see them at your workplace, your heart naturally goes out to them. Some of you just love working with kids and you're mad when you can't work in rich kids because you just love working with the kids. You love seeing them smile. You love it when they learn something. You love it when you can teach something from God's word. You love showing them a song. Some of you just love it. Some of you, your heart goes out to somebody who's lonely. So you'll see somebody in church sitting by themselves and you'll say, hey, can I sit by you? And you were always like that. Even at school, all the kids are playing on the playground and you saw the one person not playing. So you went over and said, hey, come play with us. You just naturally went out to that person. There's a person that you are naturally drawn to help. There are certain types of people you just say, I'm just drawn to. I just want to help them. Maybe you have a, a, just a, a soft place in your heart for people who are struggling in relationships. And you're like, I'm just drawn to people who are a little bit broken, a little bit dysfunctional. I don't know why. I just feel like I can help them. And you're drawn to them. And that becomes your ministry. That is, becomes your, what I would call your holy calling And it just means a special calling. It's that special place where you say, you know what, I'm going to make a difference here. And I love this, that Jesus, he took notice of the people. He took notice of these people that were helping and notice of doing things. We should take notice. We should notice the people in our life that are suffering. We should notice the people in our life that are hurting. You see, too often, like the miniseries is called When They See Us, maybe we should change it to If They See Us. Because sadly, we just don't even see people anymore. Unless they look like us, act like us, vote like us, like what we like. How about we just reach across the aisle every once in a while? Say, hey, I know you're totally different. Let's buy lunch. Let's buy coffee. Let's talk. We may not be so far off after all. We may find some commonality. And guess what? You will grow as an individual when all of a sudden you sit with somebody and say, hey, tell me about your past. Tell me your story. It'll impact you. And then you'll see others in that group, and you'll say, whoa, I can't believe I was always judging you. I can't believe I always jumped to these conclusions. I'm guilty of jumping to conclusions. And you know why we jump to conclusions? Because we lack context of their situation. When you have context, all of a sudden it changes your conclusions. But the reason we jump to conclusions is because we just lack compassion for people. And we are called to just care about others, not the people that we only like. We've got to care about everybody. Make a difference. You know, you did not wake up this morning and go to church. You know that. You're not at church. You know that. You say, what? Yes, I No, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure I am. No, no, church is not a building. It's not. You see, the word church comes from a Greek word called ekklesia. You say, what is ekklesia? You're using a lot of terms. You're throwing out a lot of terms. It means a called out assembly or an assembly that gathers for a purpose. You see, the church is a group of people who gather for a purpose. So here's the question. What is the purpose that God has you for? What is he trying to do in your life? He's trying to get you and I to go after and reach the least of these. And each one of us have a different purpose least of these, that you are called to, that you can make a difference because you're gifted that way. Where you're naturally, you have the patience for it. You know, I just have a lot of patience for people. My wife will tell me, she's like, wow, you just, you just sit there and just sit there and minister. We once had some people come over and uh, uh, Eugene has the gift of grilling. And uh, uh, he, he, he would just come over and grill. So we invited this couple over. And uh, they, they all came over. And we were just hanging out. And, uh, you know, about 9.30, 10 o'clock, you know, Eugene and his family, they took off. And I, I walked them out of the door. And I thought, yeah, everybody had gone home for the night. That's great. They left. And then I go back into my kitchen. And this couple still just sitting there. And I was like, this is awkward. You know, it's just about 10 o'clock, time to go home. Everybody else left. They are just sitting there waiting for me. I was like. Am I in trouble? I don't really know what to do. And and I sat there, and my wife's so good because she'll sit there. She'll sit for a few minutes, assess the situation, say, this is a pointless conversation. I'm going to go to bed. Bye-bye. And she'll leave me. She'll ditch me in my own house, and she goes to bed. She even turns out the lights everywhere else in the room, and she closes the door. And then she texts me a really sweet, you know, the emoticon kisses. Good night. And she did that. I was like, I hate you right now. And then that couple stayed till past midnight. And I was like, what in the world? And we talked about nothing. And the next morning, I was kind of uh, upset. And my wife was like, well, why did you sit there? I was like, I don't know. I just have this weird thing. If people are dumping their problems, I just listen. And I just stay there. I don't know. I just got a soft place in my heart for people like that. And she's like, you know what? That's just what God's called you to. You're just, just gifted to sit there, and I'm gifted to go get some sleep. I said, man, I wish I had your gift. Let's trade. I love sleep. So here's the thing. You see, distance creates that distortion. And some of us, we, are dis- we have a distorted view of people in our lives. And we need to say, you know what? Do I have the wrong view? Do I need to close that? You say, so how do I deal with it? Let me give you three quick things as we wrap up. Real quick. First of all, find a problem and fix it. Did you see what Jesus said? Hey, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. Hey, I was in prison, and you visited me. I was sick, and you healed me. Those are all problems. You say, I just don't know what to do, Pastor. Just just give me a calling. Give me something to do. You know what? See a problem and just fix it. Sometimes people will point out problems to me, and they'll come to me, and they'll say, hey, Pastor, we should do something about this. And I'm like, God showed it to you. Maybe you take the lead on it, and I can support you because I got a million other things I'm already doing. And I can't spend it. I'm up till midnight with people in my house that i got to hang out with. All right? So you do that, and I'll pray for you. I'll be up till midnight anyway, so I'll be praying for you. It's all good. My wife will be praying with her eyes closed on her pillow, but she'll be praying for you. And all of a sudden, we miss the fact that there are problems all around us. And guess what you can fix? Stop getting on social media and saying, I hate this, hate this, hate this. How about you just stop and just do something? Say, hey, I'm going to go into my corner of the world, and I'm going to get a little bit better. Oh, I hate my workplace. They never do anything special. They never celebrate our birthdays. Well, go celebrate somebody's birthday. Just show up with cake or pie. Just show up. Everybody will like you a lot, especially if you bring pie. That just makes everybody happy. And so these little things, so find a problem and fix it. Secondly, find your purpose and follow it. You say, what do you mean find your purpose? You see, a lot of us, we get confused about the purpose, don't we? You say, my purpose, that's what I'm looking for. If I knew my purpose, I'd be doing it. I'd be be out there and engaged with it. Here's how you find your purpose when you find your people. You say, what do you mean your people? Remember how I said you have a soft place in your heart for a certain group of people? And some of you, you're called to different types of people. And instead of waiting for the church to start a ministry for that group of people, just go help that group of people. Just go do it. Say, hey, I have a passion for this. Open up your home and start a little group, and you talk about that. Or start a little ministry and go do it. If you're passionate about it, just do it. Nobody's stopping you. As a matter of fact, you may find that you find the greatest fulfillment when you do it. But too often, we're just indifferent to the needs of others, and we tune people out. You see, how do we tune people out? You ever gotten on an airplane, and and when you sit there and you don't want to talk to people, what is the universal sign for, I don't want to talk during this flight? What does this mean? This means we're not talking. That's what these mean. These are not noise canceling. These are people canceling. That's what they are, okay? And if I'm at home and I'm wearing these, my three little kids, these means no. That's what they mean. You see dad wearing, sometimes I have these in, And I'm not even playing any music or listening to anything. I just stick them on my ear because people don't bother you when they see these in your ear. Try it at work. It just might work, okay? Maybe, maybe. But here's the thing. We do stuff like that, right? Why? Because we want to cut people out of our life. But God is saying, go find your people and you will find your purpose. Find those people that you know you naturally gravitate towards. And say, guess what? I love to hike. I love to fish. I love to surf. I love to do this. And guess what? Get a group of people and go do it and just say, you know what, and then I'm going to start seeing people differently. I'm going to start caring about people differently, because when you find your people, you will find your purpose. You see, the best part about this is I love how God said, hey, when you were serving them, you were actually serving me. I call this the double bottom line. I love to maximize an opportunity. You say, what do you mean maximize an opportunity? I love if I could be doing two things at the same time and still doing both well. Now, you can't do a whole lot of things like that. But guess what? If I'm doing yard work, I can usually listen to an audible book. And to me, I'm just like, yes, I'm reading a book, and I'm mowing my lawn, winning. You know, it's just great feeling, right? I love to multitask. I'm watching a Netflix special, and I'm working on a project. This is great, you know? And it's just I love maximizing an opportunity. God is saying you can maximize an opportunity by growing closer to your creator and helping somebody else. That's what God is saying. There's a, double, there's a win here. There's a huge win if we start saying, Hey, where are my people? And I'm going to start serving them. I'm going to start giving to them. And I'm going to start ministering to them. So go find your people. But too often, you know what stops us from ministering to people? Convenience. We think it's going to happen and it's going to be easy. You know what I've found? Ministry is messy. And it doesn't happen at opportune moments. You know, uh, the 24 hours leading up to our epic Easter, where we had 4,500 people show up, and we spent $34,000, and eight days later, we kind of uh, lost our facility, you know. Uh, four, 24 hours leading up to that, I had everything was just kind of crushing down around us. You say, what do you mean? We had a church member whose fiance was dying at Kaiser Hospital. So I'm there grieving with somebody. At the same time, I woke up Saturday morning, and the previous building we were at, somebody had tagged the entire front of it. The entire front of it, and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And I was already getting texts from the neighbor and the neighborhood association saying, hey, you guys gonna fix this? There's a big this is like tag. And then at the same time, the venue changed a bunch of details on us, and I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, what is going on right now? And it's real easy at that point to say, you know what, ministry just isn't worth it. But ministry is messy. And guess what? Sometimes when you're working with people, it's not gonna be at the most opportune times. People are gonna call you at the most random of times. People are gonna call you at the most inopportune times. And guess what? If you don't take the call, you might miss out on a big blessing. You say, what do you mean, case in point, Tuesday night, 1030, 1045? I had a group of people at my house. They were not gonna stay till midnight. They weren't supposed to stay till midnight. But once again, they stayed till midnight. But it was okay because I took a phone call because our council member called me at 1045. I was like, huh, this is interesting. He Rarely calls my cell phone. So I took the call. All of a sudden, we had been emailing. We had been dialoguing because when we got uh, evicted from that building, we were out our security deposit and a month's rent for a building we couldn't even use. Plus, we doubled our expenses, having to rent here, having to get storage. So I've been working for ever since we left that building to get some money back. And he called me. He said, hey, we're going to work on it. And then yesterday morning, it's a Saturday. I'm going to sleep in a little bit. And all of a sudden, I get a call, and it's him calling me. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. It's early on a Saturday. I can't believe he's calling me. But I took the call. And when I took the call, he said, did you hear the good news? I said, what, did you give us the building? He said, no, no. no, I was like, then it's not good news. He's like, no, no, no. You're going to get your money back. Your security deposit of 7,800, you're going to get that back. Plus, you're going to get half of May's rent, so it's a little over $10,000. You're going to get back. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's a good call. You see, sometimes your life is so busy and you're so frustrated, you don't want to take the call, and you're going to miss out on what God wants to do. You're going to miss out on the blessing that God has for you. And guess what? Too often what we do is we choose convenience over making a difference. We need to decide that we will make it easy for other people and choose the difficult situation for ourselves. So that's why this morning there was a group of people that got here at 630 and said, hey, I'm going to set things up. And some of them don't know how to set up electronics, some of them being me. And yet we still show up and we plug things in and we cross our fingers and hope it works. And 50% of the time it does and nothing blows up. But we decided, you know what we're gonna do and we're gonna inconvenience ourselves so that we can make a difference. We'll do the hard work. Why? To make it easy so when you invite somebody you can bring them to church. You see, here's the thing. Everybody here should have a ministry. Every member is a minister. You see, you have a special calling. If you see somebody come to church, you say, those kind of look like my people. Go serve them. You say, that's kind of weird. No, no, you could figure it out. Start by coffee and say, hey, how you doing? I'm just thinking about you, just praying for you. What's up? Just the fact that you notice them means so much. I went to school in Lancaster, California. Basically, find the worst part of the world to live, and that's Lancaster. Pretty much. And so I would work and we'd get this bus and we'd drive out to not Lancaster, but a worse part of Lancaster called Lake Los Angeles. Why they call it Lake Los Angeles is totally messed up because in the 1960s, some big investors found some land in the desert that was really cheap. They hauled in a bunch of water and they made a little man-made lake. They took a picture of somebody jet skiing in five feet of water and they built one mansion. And they said, exclusive neighborhood coming soon, buy this property. So they scammed a bunch of people in 1961 to buy land and property in Lake LA. And then they found out it was a big scam. There's nothing out there. It's about 10,000 people live out there. And it's basically a bunch of criminals from LA that just got pushed out of LA. That's that's what Lake Los Angeles is. And so every Saturday I would spend Saturday mornings and I would invite kids and teens and any adults that needed a ride to church because we went to a, a church in Lancaster. And so I'd go out there on Saturdays and I just, knock on somebody's door and talk to them say, hey, we're going to have a lot of fun. Why don't you come to church? It'll be a great time. Every Saturday. And I came to one neighborhood and up on the hill there was this one house. I was like, I'm going to go to talk to this person at this house. So I walk up to the house. I knock on the door and this lady opens the door. And then as soon as I told her I'm from a church and I want to invite her to church and, and come check out my church, she gets mad. She gets so mad, she opens up the gate wider to let all her dogs chase me. No joke. These weren't little chihuahuas, these were Rottweilers and bigger dogs. So I'm now running from this lady. And this kind of made me mad, really mad, that she let her dogs loose on me. And I'm kind of stubborn. So I was like, you know what? In the name of Jesus, I'm going to go back next week. And so I showed up the next week. But I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring a Marie Callender's pie with me. And we were doing a huge musical. And some of you don't know that when we first started the church, any first time visitor would get a Marie Callender's pie. How many of you were like, that, that did it? And ever since then it tricked me, you know, it was like that Marie Callender's pie. And maybe we should start doing it again, but we used to give Marie Callender's pies. And so I decided, and some of you didn't know, it went back that far. So I showed up Marie Callender's pie and I brought it to her house, I knocked on the door. She opened the door, she's like, hey Fido, come here. And I was like, "Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I brought you a pie. And she literally said, did you poison it? I was like, no, I didn't poison it. And I was like, wait, it's like Los Angeles, a lot of criminals, maybe, it's plausible. And I was like, no, I just want to give you pie. And she was like, mm, I don't trust you. But she grabbed the pie, took it, and slammed the door. Every Saturday, I would make a point to spend 10, 15 minutes to go stop by this lady's house. Sure enough, it came out that she's just a, a, an older lady to live by herself, just lonely, a little bit cranky, a little bit irritable. Life hadn't been too kind to her. So for the next 18 months, two years, I just made it my mission that I was just gonna be her friend, this cranky old lady. I was just gonna be her friend. Invite her to church, let her know that somebody cared about her. She never came to church, not once, never came. We became pretty good friends. I would always stop by, and then I graduated from college. And then I left, and I moved to the Bay Area, out of the desert, no more to deal with the sand and the heat unless it's at Santa Cruz. But then we had an intern work at the church where I was at And uh, he went to the same college I went to. And he calls me one day and he's like, hey, so my ministry is out in Lake Los Angeles. And I was like, I will pray for you. And he's like, no, it's going so good. He's like, man, it was like my first weekend out there. I'm out, I'm inviting people to church. I'm telling people about Jesus. I knock on this old lady's door. I tell her, you need Jesus. She says, yes, I do. And man, she's like the best Christian right now. She's going to church. I was like, wait a minute. House up on the hill? She's like, yeah. A lot of dogs? Yeah. Kind of mean lady? Yeah. Blue trim on the house? Yeah. Man, I've been working on that person for two years. But you get all the credit? You get all the credit that she came to Jesus and her life has changed? I did all the work. And he's like, yeah, what of it? (laughs) Here's the thing. Go find your people. You'll find your purpose. See, we all have a purpose because we all have a people. Some of you are saying, I'm lonely. I wish this church had a a ministry for me. Go start one. Go start one. You say, we need ministry for the bridge players. Okay, if you still play bridge, then start that ministry. God wants to use you because the sad reality is is when they see us, when they see us, what do they see? Sadly, we're seeing the least of these and God is saying, change that. Start seeing me in them. God is saying you did it for them, but really you were doing it for me. So start seeing Jesus in those people. That's not just a homeless person. That's not just some politician. That's not some Hollywood movie star. It's not some uh, uh, just wealthy business owner. That's not just some single mom or some single parent. That's not just some dad. That's not just some co-worker, That's not just the fast food worker. That's just not the person who bags your groceries. That is the person that bears the image of your creator. And that person has value. And all humanity is worthy of dignity. And if we are a church that says we care about people, then maybe we should start caring about people that, guess what? Otherwise, we wouldn't care about. That we say, you know what? I don't just love the people that look like me and talk like me. I love the people that are different than me. I love the fact that our church is so diverse. So diverse. So different. Because God wants you to go find your people.
0: We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting southridgesanjose.com/connect. Again, that's southridgesanjose.com/connect.